Welcome to the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. First-hand and real-time experience, stories, advice, and lessons learned. Some the hard way by me, a former player, lifelong fan, and now dad and coach. Hey guys, this is Kevin Burke. This is episode number five, and I'm super excited today because instead of a specific topic to spend 20 minutes on, I'm actually going to do something a little bit different over the last couple of weeks, we've had almost 20,000 views and listens um, to the podcast and the article or articles, I should say. And with that, there has been a ton of engagement. So I have received a lot of questions, some in email, some in Facebook comments where I've shared the, the post and the, and the podcast. And this is really something I'd like to do more of. Uh, I don't just write or record my voice to hear myself talk. Um, and so knowing that the information that, that I have provided or that we are providing is helping or is relevant or something that is needed is certainly good to hear. I would also just encourage you. So, um, go to getelbowup.com If, if you're hearing this for the first time and you're not a subscriber, all you gotta do is type your email address and I'll send you an email every time we post one actually right now, every Tuesday morning, releasing new podcasts. Also with that comes a written article as well. And so you can reply in a comment on the written article. Again, that's at getelbowup.com. Also, look us up on Facebook. Um, it's facebook.com slash elbowup, just all one word. That'll take you to the page. Um, also on Twitter, you can find me at elbow underscore up. So the point really is please reach out with questions, comments, feedback. I love hearing from everybody and um, let me know what you're thinking and we will continue to do these Q&As maybe once a month and then we'll go back and forth with some topic type things as well. All right so the first question and actually I'm gonna I'm gonna word it a little bit differently. I've had this request from several people though about making substitutions when a player makes a mistake. So the question typically comes in the form of, or it's from a parent who maybe their son had been taken out because they made a mistake. So the, this one email says, uh, here's the scenario. Your center fielder misplays a fly ball. Do you a make it, make no substitution B continue the inning and make a substitution afterwards or C make the substitution right after the air. And then I get other people that have said basically that their kid was taken out for making an error and is that right, et cetera. So <clears throat> quickly what I would say is a lot of it depends on the level that you're playing at. And I would say everything that I'm going to say today is really geared towards maybe like 13, 14 and under. It really in no situation should you ever just take somebody out in the middle of the inning uh, for making a mistake. Now there are reasons, bad attitudes, talking back, no hustle, things like that. I've definitely, that's a whole other topic. But for making a mistake or misplaying a fly ball, especially with younger guys, under no circumstance, period, should you or the coach, I should say you if you are the coach, uh, or the coach if you're a parent, um, make that substitution. Now, I, I would say in certain scenarios, like in maybe a championship game of a tournament, you know, maybe if you need to make a, a change between an inning. But what I would say is it's not because of one error. If somebody's having a bad day and they made several errors and so between innings you want to kind of move things around, shift them to another position, you never want to punish a kid for making a mistake, even a mental mistake. So they can be frustrating, and I trust me, I have lost my cool when I was younger. That's the whole point of this podcast if, and newsletter if you've listened in the past. 
Um, <clears throat> honestly, though, you, the kid knows he made a mistake. Now, there are there could be a reason. So maybe he is just coming in on every single ball that's hit and everything goes over his head. And that's a that's a coaching type thing. But I, my thought around that is if you've got a, a player who does something like that over and over and over, um, your team's probably not quite as advanced as you'd like to think they are, and you just need to practice more. It's just going to come. Um, it's extremely common in that you know five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten range for outfielders to take that first step forward, as opposed to seeing where the ball is going to be before they commit either direction. But you should never make the substitution in the middle of the inning, where you have to call time and bring the kid off the field. That's embarrassing. It's not going to teach them anything other than to make them have zero confidence and not want to go back on the field. That's just not something you need to do. What really needs to happen there is wait until the inning is over, that half inning is over, and when they get off the field, pat them on the back and say, it's okay, get the next one. Because if you make that substitution, they've lost all confidence. What they need to hear, and again, we're talking about young guys. We're not talking about Major League Baseball here, but tell me a time you've seen a big league guy misjudge a ball or make an error and they sub him in the middle of an inning. I don't know that I've ever seen it. Uh, nobody meant to make the error, and they're not thinking, hmm, I'm going to make the next error too. So all you're doing is punishing the kid, making them lose even more confidence. They already missed the ball in front of all these people watching and let their team down, right? And you know how young kids are. They're probably going to say something. So pat them on the, on, the, on the back, tell them that's okay, get the next one, and send them back out to the same position the next inning. I promise you that's what you need to do, and that's how you need to handle this. Okay, here's another one. And actually, I saw a post on one of the groups and the Facebook groups that I'm a part of. And then I got a couple of emails over the last few weeks about this as well. The post specifically said on Facebook, uh, this past weekend, we played a 10U team at the Sportsplex that used loud noisemakers in the dugout while we pitched. I'm assuming there aren't any rules regarding distracting the pitcher as the umps and directors had nothing to say about it. Maybe this is just something that will happen more frequently the older they get. Thanks for any input. And so I actually got a couple of emails as well about making noises, chattering, yelling when the other team is pitching. And I I would say that generally speaking, I'm not a fan of any of that. Um, I don't really like my kids chattering, and I don't know if that's really what it's even called anymore. But um, when everybody in the field is making a noise when the other team is trying to hit, I I, I just – that's not baseball. Um, I – the argument could be made that it keeps them focused. Um, but if the intent is to rattle the other team, I think that's just poor sportsmanship. Um, as far as keeping them focused, I don't necessarily think that chattering or saying something as a team across the field is actually going to get that done. At that point, they're just worried about how loud they can be and obnoxious. Um, the other thing, though, as they get into um, kid pitch, Um, I'm also not really a fan of screaming directly at the pitcher. So uh, this kind of crosses over, and the the parents on the team that I coach may hear this and and get mad at me for saying this. I'm really not a fan of cheering either in the dugout, kind of like a softball team. Um, I just think that – I don't know. Maybe I'm just old school. Uh, It comes across kind of Bush League in some scenarios. But – I think if the team is cheering for themselves, if they're cheering for their teammates, if they're if they're cheering their 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 teammate who is hitting on, 
I think that's fine at a certain age, you know, seven, eight, nine, maybe when you start getting into 10 and 11, I think it's time to start easing off of that. But what I've found for our kids who are not just, just starting nine in fall ball, um, them cheering for their team in the dugout with these chants and things, it does keep them engaged. And so I think as long as they're not cheering at the other team, uh, or, you know, trying to specifically yell out a, a, a something right as the pitcher is delivering the pitch. I think that's okay, even though it gets on my nerves a little bit. Um, what I don't like, though, is when the team is specifically targeting the other team, the other players, a, a pitcher, so they're totally quiet, and the pitcher goes to make his, you know, delivery, and they start yelling. That To me, that's just – that's you not being able to play, and so you're trying to make up for it. Um by distracting the other team. And while it may work a little bit in nine-year-olds because the pitcher is brand new and he's trying to focus on 12 different things, it's really just going to come back to haunt you in the long run because after you know two months of pitching, that guy's not, not going to bug him anymore. And then he's just going to be shoving it down your throat and you guys are just going to look silly. So um, I, I would say a 10-U team who is specifically trying to distract the pitcher, that's probably something that I would discourage. Um, if you're – Six, seven, eight, nine, maybe ten, and your team is doing a cheer or chant in the dugout. Uh, I may get a lot of baseball guys disagree with me on that. It's one of those things you pick and choose your battle. I would rather my kids be positive to their teammates, be engaged in the game, uh, and cheer than to be sitting over there looking out the other side of the dugout, et cetera. So I'm going to pick and choose my battles, and as we get older, we can start scaling that back. Um, but that's what I would say for that. If you do have, I would say this if you have another team, though, that you're playing, and they're doing that where your pitcher's trying to pitch and they're specifically targeting. There's not much you can do about it. You know, that's just how they are. That's how they, that's who they are. That's how they're coached. And unfortunately, the only thing we can do really is to try to get them to listen to this podcast. Uh, and so maybe they'll quit that. All right, let's move on to the next one. So this is one I've gotten over the years. And specifically last week, the question says, why do batters take the first pitch? A fastball is normally the first pitch shouldn't the batter jump on the first pitch so my answer is yes if it's a fastball and it's a strike you should jump on the first pitch but let's break this up into kid pitch excuse me uh, coach pitch and then kid pitch uh, what I see a lot in coach pitch is coaches tell everybody on their team don't swing at the first pitch and I don't know if it is to maybe work on timing if it is to just see one um, but I think generally speaking um, taking every first pitch and then swinging at every first pitch, either one of those is really bad advice. What we should be teaching our kids to do is hit strikes. And so um, obviously there are different scenarios that might call for a different uh, you know, need. Um, if you've got somebody who's just not watching the ball and you want them to see one, if they're just in a major slump and you want them to see one, I think that's, that's fine. You know your kids. But to tell everybody to just take – or just anybody to take the first pitch all the time I think is bad advice because that now they've done that for, you know, five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, and they get the player pitch, and that's not the case. And so it's hard to break that habit. Um, like I said, we should be teaching kids, you know, whether you want – whatever terminology you use, you know, however you get your swing started. You know, I, I like the terminology uh, or the term load – uh, but when you start your swing, you should be able to swing at a strike or stop if it's a ball, right? Not swing. And so that to me is what we want to teach our kids, not to take every single first pitch and treat it the same way. Now, moving into player pitch, absolutely no, we do not want to take the first pitch. And I still see kids do this. And I think a lot of it's carryover from coach pitch, right? 
And so in coach pitch, you let the first one go. You still got four or five, depending on the league you're in, and you're fine. Uh, all that does really is slow down the game. But when you get to player pitch, put yourself in the mindset of the pitcher. And if you ask any pitcher or any pitching coach or any coach, what do you want to do? You want to get ahead in the count. You want to throw strikes first. You don't want to start, start off 1-0, 2-0 with balls. And so what I typically tell our hitters is that – because at this age, most of our hitters pitch as well, right? And so I ask them, what do you, what do you want to do first pitch? And, like, we're nine – and nine, 100% of the time, the answer is or should be, I want to throw a strike, a fastball right down the middle. That's what we're trying to do. Now, we're starting to work inside, outside a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be, or it should be, for my team, a strike, a fastball for a strike. Now, when you get older and you get into high school and college and pro ball, and these guys got three, four, five pitches, and they're situational um, decisions that have to be made for both the hitter and the pitcher – you know, it's a little bit different. But in in nine-year-olds through really through middle school, and I would say even some lower levels of high school, you're going to – you're the pitcher's trying to throw a strike, and most of the time for it with a fastball. So you don't want to take the first pitch unless you want to get behind in the count, right? And a lot of times that first pitch might be the best pitch you see. So generally speaking, do not put a rule in place that says – Take every first pitch and don't put a rule in place that says swing at every first pitch. We want to swing at strikes. And if it's a good one, we want to jump on it. We want to be ready to hit when we step in the box. Last little tidbit on this, and, and this is probably another episode, make sure your hitters are getting ready in the, in the on-deck circle. If they haven't been able to see a few pitches before, then that's probably your fault as a coach for not making them prepare. Um, there are times, obviously, when they're behind or whatever, but the kids should be ready to get on in the on-deck circle, and they should get out there, and that's when they work on their timing. Again, at the younger ages, most pitches are exactly the same, right? So take that time to, to, to get their timing down, one, two, three pitches they might see, maybe more. And then when they step in the box, if that first pitch is a strike, they're ready to jump on it. All right, let's see what the next question is. Okay, next question came from a coach who is looking to take a team from like, you know, the rec all-star level uh, into, you know, quote, select or travel, whatever you call it in your area. And the question is, how many players should I keep on my team? So it's important to note for coach pitch, I would say almost every everywhere coach pitch, you play 10 at a time, 10 in the field. So when you move to player pitch – it typically goes down to nine. So instead of four outfielders, you have three. So let's let's break this up into into you know coach pitch again and and player pitch. So for coach pitch, I am not a proponent of having more than eleven. Now you'll see teams with twelve, and there could be reasons for that. So maybe it's they're going to play a lot of tournaments and they want people to be able to miss when they need, and so um, they took an extra player. Maybe somebody has been – a coach has been burned in the past with, you know, having multiple people out, and so they just can't don't want that to happen again, um, and so they take 12. Here, here's the problem. If you have 12 or 13, and I've seen that, you're sitting two or three people at a time. So not only are they sitting the bench and bored, but every inning or two you're having to figure out where you're going to put people and move people around. And at a young age, that's just not good for anybody. 
The other thing about that is there's really no need to have extra. Um, I, you know, I would have one sub because people get tired or maybe somebody gets sick or somebody gets hurt. And so you don't want to forfeit, but we're not talking about Dizzy Dean or Babe Ruth ball anymore where, you know, you got to have a roster filled out and everybody's got to have a patch and all that nonsense. Like when we're talking about going and playing travel ball or select, if that's what you want to call it, then you can pick up anybody. Now, I'm not saying you, you roll with eight and you pick three or four up every every week, but there's no problem carrying 11 on your team and then subbing one in and out. It's easy to move one person in and out. Um, and then if somebody's gone, you just pick up, right? And so that's a that to me is a, is a way to really upset some people. And here's the thing, guys. I'll t- if you're listening to this podcast and you've heard other episodes, I'm all about development, especially at the young age. Nobody cares about the rings after you win them. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I see people posting all these rings. And, yeah, it's fun. It really is fun to win them and to put them on your wall. But, like, nobody remembers that. And that doesn't help you get to the next level. College coaches don't ask you about that. But what we are trying to do is develop players. And so the more people you have – the less people are playing. And so I just, you're, as a coach, I promise you, trust me on this, you are setting yourself up for a disaster or a tough conversation at the least when you've got the same people sitting. Now, when you get into player pitch, it can become a little different. So like, for example, on our team, we had 11 uh, in coach pitch. So this year we're moving into player pitch and we just kept the same 11. Okay, so we have two people sitting on the bench at all times. Now, we bat everybody. That's a whole other topic, I guess, but but I'm a proponent of batting your entire roster. You don't want to actually have two or three subs, but we bat everybody, so we bat all 11, and then we rotate people in. But I'm going to tell you, and, and I, feel, I feel like, you know, we're, we're a good team and we're on top of things. It is hard. It's very difficult with two people sitting on the bench to get people equal playing time, to make sure – because here's the thing, you're, you're, you're coaching in the game and you're looking at all the, the, the real-time action that's happening and you're not thinking about the um, two guys on the bench that you got to get in the game. And then the, the half inning comes up and you're like, oh, crap, i gotta, I got to move people around. So instead of, some, uh, instead of the kids actually getting their stuff together and hustling out to their position like they should when the last out's made – Everybody's standing around wondering, where do I go? And, and we're guilty of that too. So, you know, I'm not holier than thou, but it's really not a good thing for the players. The best thing to do is to, is to have two subs at the most at this age, right? So keep your 11 if you want. Um, and having, you know, having that one extra. So, you know, you could say, well, if you only want one sub, it's 10. And that's fine. But from a pitching perspective, it doesn't hurt you to have another, another kid my advice is to set up every single inning defensively um, before the game starts. So every inning, you know where everybody goes. And I could get a lot of pushback on this from coaches that say, oh, the, the, the situation will determine. Guys, at the end of the day, I don't know that it does. I actually thought that myself. Um, I look back over some of our games, and I don't know that it really does. Now, you don't want to just willy-nilly put people in and move everybody all over the place, but if you plan it out knowing that you could have to move it around depending on the situation, it generally works out. Um, And as I said already on this podcast and on the last one, the one mistake that that kid's going to make maybe isn't going to cost you the game. It's the sum of all the decisions, all the actions, all the parts of the game. So my advice is in coach pitch, only have one sub. In player pitch, have no more than two subs. And then plan your innings. Um, Again, if it's a championship game, it might be a little bit different uh, depending on the level. Uh, Now, when you start getting in 
to 15-ish. Uh, 15, I'm not a big fan of pitcher only before 15. I'm really not a fan at that age. But if you have a kid and all they like to do is pitch and they're good at it, you've got some more competitive teams that actually have uh, what they call pitchers only. And really that just means that's all they do. They pitch when needed. So you could have extra guys on your roster that you call in for that. But I, I see – look, my 18-year-old my plays on a summer team, and, you know, they've probably got 12 or 13 guys. But at, at their age, every weekend they could have a couple guys missing. And so what they do is they just call other guys in. I mean, that's just how it works, and they guess play. They, they pick up for the weekend. And that's not, that's not a big deal. So don't stress about having somebody hurt or sick or on vacation um, in, in the younger age groups because – you can always pick somebody up. Now, the key there is, again, not Dizzy Dean or Dixie Youth or one of these leagues that require the rosters to be turned in. That's not necessarily going to work. But for all, you know, SA and all the other stuff, you can have guys pick up for the weekend in most of your tournaments, and it's not that big a deal. So don't stress and have too many kids. I promise you, you'd rather have one weekend where you're short a kid and you scramble to find a player than to have 10 weekends where you're trying to juggle three subs. I promise you it's a mistake and you will thank me for it later. Okay. Last question of the day. I've actually gotten this question more than I thought I might have, um, over the last, you know, six months of doing this. I think it has to do with the fact that the majority of the listeners of this show and the, and the readers of my newsletter are of kids eight you and under. So, you know, and really maybe nine, but, but parents who are just kind of getting started, and so what I find is that maybe kids who seem to be more advanced, their parents think this. So the question is, if my kid is the best one on his team or the best one in the league, should we play up an age group? And generally speaking, I think the answer should be no. Um, I have seen just in kind of my career this happen several times. Most of the time, it's, it, in my opinion, it was not warranted. Um, the kid was not as good as their parents thought and they got to the next level and science and physics started taking biology, started taking over. And their kid was, went from like one of the top kids maybe in the league to that, you know, middle of the road. And, um, there's nothing wrong with being middle of the road, but you know, my question is why would you do it? Right. So there is, it, it is okay for somebody who's advanced to when they're four instead of hitting on, you know, playing T-ball where everything's on the T and they don't even play positions to playing five and six. I see that a lot. I think that's the one time that it's okay. Uh, if your kid can actually hit a pitched ball and somewhat get in front of a ground ball and throw it, then they shouldn't, be, they shouldn't play T-ball if, if that's what you want. Uh, they can totally play five and six rec ball. But what I see, where I see this is maybe they had a, their, their kid is a really good six-year-old, and so instead of playing in the uh, – I'm sorry, a really good five-year-old, and so instead of moving up in, or instead of playing five and six again as a six-year-old, they say, oh, I'll go play seven-eighths. And there have been two – at least off the top of my head, two players that I know, they both played on teams that I coached, that they actually – it worked out. Um one played up actually his entire career. Um, and it's funny, and I say this, not certainly not making fun, it's to his credit. He was always undersized. He was always one of the smaller, smallest kids on the team. But that guy worked, worked, worked. He had a good baseball IQ. He, he worked harder than anybody out there, had one of those attitudes that you would just pay money to have on your team. 
uh, and he stayed uh, an age group up basically his entire career until he got to high school. Now, the other one actually played up in coach pitch, and then when he got to nine-year-olds, um, he actually uh, stayed with his age group, right, or stayed down, I guess, maybe another year in eights and, and played up in nines. And that kid turned out, again, really, really well. Um, actually, he's a junior this year, I believe, and is has signed to go play Division One baseball. Um, but again, his parents were smart enough to say, "Look, he's a little bit more advanced at the at the coach pitch age, but let's hold him back and play with his age group when we get into into player pitch." And so let's break that down a little bit. One, like I said earlier, most of you, and I'm not trying to be offensive here, most parents in general, they think their kid is better than they are. Um, the other thing, though, is that they typically at those younger ages are, are, quote, better because they're just more physically advanced, okay? So they can throw harder. They might catch a little bit sooner. They hit the ball hard. The problem, though, is their baseball IQ isn't always where it needs to be. And I'm telling you, when you move up an age, the game speeds up. So every age group you move up, the game speeds up. It gets faster. There's more to it. I mean, let's face it, at five and six – most teams are just hoping to hit the ball in fair territory and run where the coach tells you, right? Now, I've had some really good – it's funny to even say this. I almost laugh at myself. I've had some really good five and six teams, um, like really good, that can catch and throw and hit and run bases and do everything. But generally speaking, it, it's just – it's it's not much baseball. It's it's like hit the ball and, and then see how many you know errors the team make. The team with the fewest errors and the most hard hits wins the game. When you get into seven, eight, the game speeds up. Um, I would say rarely should you play up an age. Now, as you get older, I'm definitely against it because um, the kids are just bigger, stronger, faster. So you can be a really advanced player at at you know ten, and you you know you're trying to play against um, eleven and twelve year olds, and it just typically doesn't work out as good. Um, then you get into maybe twelve and thirteen, you got kids hitting puberty, and then you you know it's it's. It's almost kind of like those freshmen in high school playing against the 18-year-olds. It's just not fair for the player. It, set, it doesn't set them up for success. So be very careful doing that. I'm not saying no, but generally speaking, I would say stick with your age group. Try to play on a competitive team. Learn the game. Stay positive. Have fun. It's not about winning. It's about getting better and having fun with uh, – you know, look, guys, if your kids aren't looking forward to the snacks after the game or they're not looking forward to going out to eat after the game, we're doing something wrong. Um, nobody should be looking to play up unless they're just completely 100% bored. Um, and last thing, I, I thought about this because one person I was talking to lives in kind of a more rural area and their league is super-duper small. And so the, the, the league that they – the age group that they were supposed to be in, just not very good. And so, you know, that's one of those situations that is just unique to you. And so I think, you know, that's okay if, if that's what needs to happen. But generally speaking, stick with your age group and you'll be fine. All right, that's it for today's episode. Be back next week with a specific topic like the rest of the podcast have taken. Got some pretty good stuff coming up, talking about how to deal with attitude issues and crying in baseball. Also want to talk about spending time away from practice getting better. So that's just kind of a preview of some upcoming episodes. Please subscribe at getelbowup.com. Also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash elbow up and then on twitter at elbow underscore up please send this to a friend or a coach or another youth baseball parent and we'll talk to you next week thank you